When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put, away your, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with his commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Okay, we'll read the next part of the passage again from John chapter 18, this time starting from verse 26, 28, sorry. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace, because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfil what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. John chapter 18, please make sure you've got your Bible open there. And I'm going to pray for us. 
Father, we come here humbled that we can be a part of that kingdom where Jesus is king. And we pray that you would help us to understand more and more of what that means and help us to live more and more each day as faithful servants in that kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There have been some pretty huge empires throughout human history. Uh, Some have controlled vast amounts of land. Some have controlled huge numbers of people. Uh, One of the largest empires ever was the British Empire. Uh, And back in the 1920s, 458 million people were part of the British Empire. And 20% of the world's land mass was under the control of the British Uh, They said that the sun didn't set on the British Empire because as the sun made its way around the globe or the globe turned for the sun, uh, the empire always had sun shining on it. But back in the 1200s, there was a bigger empire. The Mongols controlled 25% of the world's population and 20% of the world's landmass. But before that, there was the Umayyad Empire. Uh, caliphate in, during the time of the rise of Islam in the 700s, they controlled 30% of the world's population. Now, I mention that because kingdoms is what's at the heart of the passage that we're looking at today. I'm not sure if you noticed it when it was being read, but there are three kingdoms represented in this passage. First, there's the kingdom of Israel, represented by the high priest Caiaphas, Secondly, there is the Roman Empire, represented by Pilate, the governor of Judea. And finally, there is the kingdom that Jesus comes to establish. And right through this passage, we get contrast between each of these kingdoms. Let me show show you how it works. Let's start with the kingdom of Israel. Last king of Israel was actually in 587 B.C., Uh, when they were conquered by the Babylonians. So there hasn't really been a king on the throne in Israel for over 600 years by the time of Jesus. Uh, But Israel certainly weren't free, but they did have someone, and it was the high priest who was kind of appointed by the Romans as being the leader of Israel. Um, They haven't had their own king on the throne, but they do have the high priest on the throne of, uh, not really on the throne of Israel, but appointed by the Romans to be their representative, uh, to be the representative for the people of Israel. Um, It's interesting, there was a a great expectation that God would one day reinstate a king in Israel. And there's an interesting little verse, you might be tempted to gloss over it when you read through John's Gospel, but it's way back in chapter 6 after Jesus has fed the 5,000. It says this, After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The people of Israel knew that God had promised to send a king and they were longing for the day that that would happen. And Jesus was looking like the goods. But by the time we reach John chapter 18, the religious leaders have completely rejected Jesus uh, and they want him dead. They want him out of the way. Caiaphas, the high priest, and uh, the Roman-appointed leader of Israel will do everything within his power to see Jesus put to death. I think one of the reasons that religious leaders were dismissive of Jesus was that they were thinking too small. They were looking 
for this tiny little land piece of land at the end of the Mediterranean Sea to be back under their control. That was all they wanted. They just wanted the Romans gone and to be able to run their country the way they wanted. But the kingdom that Jesus, that Jesus brings in, the kingdom that God has promised is way bigger than some tiny little parcel of land on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea, way bigger than any kingdom that David ever ruled over. The second kingdom that we encounter is the Roman Empire, uh, and as I said, uh, it's one of the largest empires in human history. One of the ironies of this passage is that the Jewish leadership who want Jesus dead don't actually have the power to put him to death. That's something that only the Romans can make a decision about. Uh, They had their own laws and they could implement some punishments on people, but when it came to executing someone, they needed permission from the Romans. So you see that there in chapter 18, verse 29. So Pilate came out and asked them, what charges are you bringing against this man? Oh, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would never have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And they said, but we have no right to execute anyone. The religious leaders just want Jesus dead. And they have to ask the Roman governor if he's willing to, if he could see his way clear to putting this man to death. I do feel a little bit sorry for Pilate in this situation. He seems to think that Jesus is innocent, but bends to the will of the crowd and has Jesus put to death. The final kingdom that we see in this passage is the kingdom that Jesus brings. And it's kind of incognito as you look through this passage. But the authority of Jesus as king is pretty clearly there in the passage. Uh, The most obvious place I think that we see it is seeing that Jesus is actually controlling these events that are happening here. He's not being innocently dragged along by them. He seems to be in charge of these events. Things happen according to Jesus' plan. When he's arrested, uh, when he's before the religious leaders, when he's before Pilate, it's Jesus who knows what he's doing. It's Jesus who's in charge of the situation. Everyone else seems to be fumbling around and struggling to know how to handle this thing. Three leaders, Caiaphas, Pilate and Jesus... And Jesus is the only one who has any control in what's happening here. The only one who seems to know where this is all heading. In fact, that's exactly what John tells us. Go back to the beginning of the chapter, chapter 18, and have a look at it. Pick it up in verse number four. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. Jesus answers three times, I am he. If you know your Old Testament and you remember what happened with Moses, Moses, when he was going to go and rescue the people in Egypt, uh, he said, who will I say sent me? And God says, tell him I am sent you. And Jesus is reinvigorating that idea. 
He says, tell them I am. I mean, there's no doubt that Jesus is echoing that story from the book of Exodus. Similar things happen happens earlier in, in John's gospel. Uh, in John chapter 7, it says this. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Now, I've got to say, in the context of that passage, I don't exactly understand what that would have looked like. They've come to arrest him, but no one can lay a hand on him. But it's pretty clear that Jesus is the one who's in control. They couldn't lay a hand on him because his time had not yet come. And when he's arrested in the garden, it seems that Jesus was able to knock them off their feet just with a few words. But now he will allow himself to be arrested because his time has come. I don't know, just about everyone, every action movie that you see, there's always that, that point in the movie where the hero's been caught by the bad guys and he's bound and it looks like this is it. It looks like the, this is the end for the hero. And the situation must have looked pretty hopeless for the disciples as well. I'm sure that's why Peter pulled out his sword when Jesus was arrested. But Jesus is not some pathetic hero like this. Jesus isn't in a situation where things have all gone terribly wrong. Jesus hasn't been outwitted or outsmarted by more powerful forces. Jesus is exactly where he intended to be. The plan is unfolding exactly the way that Jesus wanted it to, exactly the way that he told his disciples it would. He's come to establish his kingdom and he will do it through his death on the cross. I'm sure that Jesus would have looked a very lonely figure as he was bound by Pilate. But Jesus had come to do something that only he could do. He's come to drink a cup that only he could drink. Probably the greatest of the ironies that we see in this, in this passage is in verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it is early in the morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. They are literally getting Pilate to do their dirty work for them, getting Pilate to kill this man, but they're not willing to enter into his house because that would make them ceremonially unclean. I mean, how pathetic is that? No qualms about making arrangements to have an innocent man put to death. They just didn't want to make themselves ceremonially unclean by stepping into the house of a Gentile. But the irony runs even deeper than that, doesn't it? It's the Passover that they want to be able to celebrate. They want to be able to celebrate and remember this incredible salvation event from way back in the story of the Old Testament when God rescued his people out of Egypt. They want to be able to celebrate the Passover. They're completely unaware of the role that they now have in God's ultimate salvation event the salvation that was only foreshadowed by the Passover, Jesus is moving towards the cross. And through his death, he pays the penalty for sin. 
Through his resurrection, he makes it possible for everyone to have eternal life. Almost all of the kingdoms that our world has known have been established with bloodshed. The Mongols, the Greeks, the Romans, even the British Empire. Well, the kingdom of Jesus is established also by bloodshed, but not by thousands in in battle. It's established by the blood that Jesus sheds on the cross. In fact, Jesus makes it clear that his kingdom isn't like other kingdoms. Go back to John chapter 18, find verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus has come to establish his kingdom, a kingdom unlike any kingdom the world has ever known. There have literally been dozens of movies made about the life and particularly the crucifixion of Jesus. Not sure if you've seen many of these, but most of them seem to portray him as a fairly pathetic person who's caught up in a chain of events over which he has no control. But that's not what we read in the Gospels. And that's certainly not what we see in John's Gospel. Jesus is the king every step of the way and in control of everything that is happening. And we see him purposefully establishing his kingdom. And the challenge that he gives to Pilate is the continual challenge for us in our daily lives. Go back to it. Have a look. Chapter 18, verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate. Yes, Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Being part of of that kingdom, knowing Jesus as, as king, means that we listen to him. Not just occasionally, not just at church on Sunday, but we want to hear what Jesus says so that we can understand how to live our lives as part of his kingdom. This is our king. And we need to be sure that we listen to him as we face this week. We need to make sure that we listen to him in the decisions and choices that we make in our lives. We need to listen to him so that we can know how it is that we should speak and act. And where do we hear him speak? Here in these Gospels. That we understand who Jesus is. We understand what his kingship looks like. And we understand what it means to be a part of his kingdom. Juliana's going to pray for us. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord God, thank you for speaking to us through your word this morning, the Bible. 
Thank you for telling us so plainly and clearly that Jesus, your son, is the king, the ruler over everything. Help us by your Holy Spirit to listen to you this week as we read and meditate on what we read. May your word impact the decisions and choices that we make and how we speak and act so that we do not dishonour you but rather bring others to know you better and have Jesus as their king too. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.